Amen. Anybody free in the room? Amen. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not his benefits. It is good to be here. Good to be gathered with the body of Christ, worshiping Jesus Christ. My, when, when I was younger, I, had, uh, I went to a church that every Sunday they would sing the exact same song. Some of y'all know the song where it says, glad to be in the service, glad to be in the service, glad to be in the service one more time. Y'all know that song, he didn't have to let me live, but I am glad to be in the service. How many people are glad to be in the house of the Lord once more? Let, let me ask that differently. How many glad that you woke up this morning? How many glad that you're in your right mind? Man, how many are glad that you are a worshiper of Jesus? Man, I, I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for another day that the Lord has given us. It's, uh, it's been a hot weekend. Man, but I, I thank God for a little bit of air that's working. It's the little things you got to be grateful for. And I, I don't know about you, but I like to communicate those things. I like to wake up and be like, God, I thank you for this AC. I know y'all fanning, but y'all be all right. But I am really, I'm grateful to be here with all of you. Listen, I am eager to preach the word because we got a lot to do uh, in a short amount of time. So won't you get to Romans chapter six, Romans chapter six. Hey, if y'all weren't here Wednesday, y'all missed a Bible study. When I tell you, Chris Akimanade did a fantastic job. Can we thank God for Chris? Amen. brother did a, a fantastic job teaching on worship not just worship but but teaching on cultivating a lifestyle of worship and there was five points if you got notes uh, in your bible somewhere there there's you probably wrote these down there's five points that he gave that I'm I've been meditating on all week long uh, when I think about worship because sometimes we think that worship is just getting to the to the service to, uh, to, to worship together, but cultivating a lifestyle of worship has to happen from Monday all the way to Sunday. It doesn't just start on Sunday. And so there's a few things that, uh, that Chris brought out. He said Bible reading helps to cultivate a lifestyle of worship. Prayer helps to cultivate a lifestyle of worship. Giving, I need a giver to say amen. Giving helps to cultivate a lifestyle of worship. Confession of sin helps to get sin out the way so that we can fill up with worship. And then finally, he talked about verbal praise, and it was just an amazing job. So shout out to him. Uh, but not just him, all of our volunteers, if you serve in any capacity, we are grateful for, your, uh, for your, your service. All of our worship team leaders, our AV team, our hospitality, those that work with the children. Every week you guys get to come in here in the first and second service and put your kids in there knowing that they are getting the gospel. They are hearing about Jesus Christ every week. And, and all of our, our, our ministries, our women's ministry, our men's ministry, I'm grateful for everyone that has their hand to the plow. So uh, if I never say it again, I'm grateful for you. All right, let's get into Romans, Romans 6. We've been going through a sermon series through the book of Romans. It's been my experience that most of us did not grow up in churches where we went through a book of the Bible. Yes, our pastor might have preached from books, but we've never uh, sat in one book and went through uh, verse by verse and line by line. And here at our church, that's something that we value. We've been doing this for the last three years since the inception of our church. Uh, we've been going through books of the Bible. And there's a few things that happens when you get in a book of the Bible. Uh, number one, you should walk away and just know the book a little bit better. 
You should walk away. You should know who the, the writer is by now. Some of you, when you open your Bible, it should just kind of plop open. Y'all millennials, so y'all got phones. Uh, but it should just plop open. You, you, you should know when it was written, the political climate. You should know uh, some of the words that are in there that uh, the English doesn't do it well because we talk about the Greek and the Hebrew on Sunday. And so all of these things are really important. And never underestimate the value of going through a book of the Bible. And the other thing it does is you get to see how Jesus really does fulfill all of Scripture. There's a point where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says, he says to them, you search the Scriptures because in them you think that you find life. But these are the very Scriptures that testify about your boy. He, he might not have said it that way. <laughs> But he said, these are the very scriptures that testify about me. In other words, every single scripture, it's not a scripture if it is not fulfilled in Jesus. All 66 books point us to Jesus. And there hasn't been a week that you've come in here that you haven't heard about Jesus through the book of Romans. So we get to see how every passage points us to Jesus. And, uh, you know, hang in there. We're working through. We're finishing chapter six today. Praise God. We'll do uh, chapter seven and chapter eight, and then we're going to take a break. I, I did promise you guys that because there's 16 chapters in the book of Romans, we're actually going to take a break in, uh, in the middle of the book. So when we finish chapter eight, we're going to take a three-month break, and we'll do some topical series, and uh, th there's some standalone stuff that I think is important for us to communicate through the word of God. Is that cool? All right, so y'all continue to track along with us. All right, today we're in verse 15. I'm going to jump in. It says, what then? Should we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Absolutely not. Do you not know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one that you obey? Here's the options here. Either of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. But thank God, but thank God that although you used to be a slave of sin. You obeyed from the heart the, that pattern of teaching to which you were handed over. And having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. I am using a human analogy because of the weakness of your flesh, just as you offer the parts of yourselves as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness. So now, off, now offer them as slaves to righteousness, which result in sanctification. Verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what fruit was produced then from the things that you are now ashamed of? The outcome of those things is death. But now since you have been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have you have your fruit, which results in sanctification. The outcome is eternal life. This is a very familiar verse, the last verse, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, The Only Slavery That Leads to Freedom. The Only Slavery That Leads to Freedom. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. And we're pleading with you today to speak to us. Help me not to add to this text. Help me not to take away from it. But what was good for the church at Rome is good for Epiphany Church in 2019. And so, Father, would you help us, oh God, to sit in this word and pull out the nutrients from all of it? May, may, may we be introspective today. 
Similar language is used from last week to this week, and it's easy for us to get here and be like, similar things are going to be said, so I'm going to check out, but help us to be focused for the next few minutes so we can hear from you. Speak to us, convict us, get out our hearts. It's in Christ's name we give glory. Let everybody say amen. amen. The only slavery that leads to freedom. It was 1863 when uh, then-President Abraham Lincoln signed uh, what's known as the Emancipation Proclamation. And when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, the moment that it was signed, all former slaves were now considered free. All of my ancestors that were on plantations literally could have walked off of the plantations. Demonic laws that were in place were no longer in place. It was now illegal to hold slaves, but a strange thing happened. You would think that the moment it was signed that slaves would walk off the plantations and be free, but they did not. A few weeks ago, we celebrated what's known as Juneteenth, which is June 19th, 1865. Uh, there, there was Union soldiers that arrived in Galveston, Texas, and they began to make an announcement. And the announcement was that the war is over and the enslaved are now free. Even though they were free, they still were enslaved for two and a half years. Even though they were free, they still sat in bondage. Even though they were free, they still didn't know they were free. And this is the unfortunate reality that my ancestors had to live through. But unfortunately, this is also the spiritual reality of some of you in this room today. Some of you in this room have been purchased and ransomed and set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. But you are choosing to live in bondage. You have been freed from past sins, from present sins, from future sins, but yet you would rather live a lifestyle under a different slave master. And in fact, that's exactly what Paul is going to do. Paul is going to present to us two different slave masters in the text. I love that the worship team sang the song, you are free, free indeed. You've got your liberty in Christ Jesus, but unfortunately, we don't like living underneath him. We want to live under what's temporary enjoyment. Temporary enjoyment is really bondage. I love the way Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, it says, for freedom Christ has set us free. But then it goes on to say, stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of bondage. Paul describes sin as a yoke. Paul describes sin as bondage. But what we do is we be like, I'm not a habitual sinner. Because I don't sin all the time, then me and God are good. But what, what Paul is going to do today is, He's going to pull the carpet from under us because he's going to say not only is habitual sin slavery, but so is isolated sins. So are the sins that you commit every now and then. Those sins have an ability to put you down a path that you don't want to go down. And so in our text, Paul is going to say, listen, there is a freedom. And, and this freedom is only tied to you being a slave to Christ. And I know what you're doing. You're going, Pastor, you cannot use slavery and freedom in the same sentence. Paul is going to show us how that actually does make sense. And any other slavery is not freedom, but it is bondage. Why don't you consider with me the text? Please get on your mind the things that you isolate as sin sometime. Uh, and, and don't disconnect that from the passage. Look at what he says. He says, what then, verse 15, should we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? Absolutely not. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves 
to the one that you obey, obey here's the, the, the two options for us, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Paul just essentially said, there's not a person in this room that can say, I'm not a slave. You, everyone in this room is a slave to something. But here's the question that I love the way Joshua says it. Choose ye today whom you will serve. Because there is one or two masters over you. One of those masters is going to lead you down a path of death. And one of those masters is going to lead you down a path of righteousness. But I, I, I got stuck here at verse 15 because I realized Paul got redundant. He asked the same question in verse one. Y'all remember last week when we got together and we looked at what Paul said in verse one, where he says, should we continue in sin that grace may multiply? And then today he picks up the pen and he puts it to the paper. And this week he says, should we continue in sin? Uh, should we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace that they look identical? The questions look identical, but they're actually slightly different because last week was talking. The word continual means that he was talking about habitual sin. But this week he's talking about those sins that you commit every now and then. But even though the question is slightly different, it's the same. Should we commit sin because grace is there. And Paul's answer doesn't switch up. Paul's answer doesn't change. He had the exact same answer that he had last week. What is the answer that he had last week? Absolutely. The strongest no in the New Testament. He didn't just say it last week, but Paul says it again this week. In other words, he remained consistent in his answer. And don't, don't miss this. In other words, Paul didn't switch up on God last week and then change his answer this week. Paul didn't remain faithful to God last week and change up this week. Paul didn't hate sin last week and then love sin this week. And y'all know that's what we do. You and we have a we are so indecisive in our walk with the Lord. Where it says, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? And the beginning of your relationship with the Lord, you said absolutely not. But somewhere along the line, we asked the question, should we continue in sin? And you said maybe. Should we continue in sin? And then you just gave into it because we didn't remain consistent. Paul loved Jesus last week and he loves him this week. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we got to the place where we actually were consistent in our walk with the Lord? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we got to the place where we hated sin last week, but we didn't dibble and dabble in it this week. But the same hatred we had for it last week, we have for it this week. Wouldn't it be wonderful if what you the fire and the zeal that you had when you first met Jesus, you still had that fire. And zeal? do you remember when you first met Jesus? Do you remember how much fire you had when you first met Jesus? Some of us would read our Bibles for hours. You y'all remember when you first met Jesus, you would pray like you never prayed before you would submit to godly counsel. You was always at the church. You was serving in some capacity at in the beginning of your relationship with the Lord. You were giving to the to the uh, to the ministry and you had all of these things that you were on fire. But what happened to that fire? Somewhere along the line, it died out and you can sit in here with your church face on. But the reality is internally, some of y'all know that fire is dying out. You have become cold to the things of God. And the only thing that makes us cold to the things of God is when we are drifting. And y'all hear me. We have to be careful of those seasons where we are drifting. You have to be careful of those seasons. I know y'all not y'all deep, so y'all not you never had this. You got to be careful of those seasons where you're bored with God. Y'all ever get there 
we like, God, this is so anticlimactic. I'm tired of reading my word. Ain't nothing mystical happen. I need you to drop in at my dinner table. But here's the reality. You got to remain consistent even when you don't hear them. And Paul says last week, should we continue in sin? Absolutely not. This week, he doesn't switch a rule on God. He says, should we continue in sin? And he has the exact same answer. He says, absolutely not. I remember when I first gave my life to the Lord. When I first gave my life to the Lord, I, man, I had an insatiable thirst for the scriptures. I, I would read the Bible six, seven, sometimes eight hours a day. I, I, I had this thing where I wanted to memorize a lot of scriptures. So what I would do is in my cubicle at work, I would print out scriptures and I cut them out and I post them all over my cubicle. I, I remember the first time I preached, the first time it was a bad sermon, but the first time I preached, I, I, had, I had such a desire and a hunger. I fasted all week. I prayed all week. I wanted to be in tune with the Lord and y'all know that's how we do when you first met Jesus you were so on fire but now I find myself having to repent because there are moments where I just get it done I just get in the word because I'm supposed to as a Christian I just pray because I'm supposed to but God is not calling you to be stagnant in your faith he's calling you to always progress towards him and there is a see that's one thing about Christianity you never are in the same place never you either are drifting towards him you're drifting away from him. There was a pastor in, um, in Florida that he does his annual trip and he invites other pastors to come along so we, we can have uh, some mutual encouragement and we can talk about things that are going on and getting the Bible. It's just, it's just a great retreat. And he invited me down. It's in Georgia. And so I went down to Georgia in the woods and the sticks, like dark, no lights, no roads. It's just woods and trees. And I get in there and, and, and one of the things, one of the events he had planned for us was fishing trip. So we all got on these boats and we go out. He takes us out into the middle of the water and we get in the middle of water. They turn the engine off and he says, man, start fishing. You're going to catch some great fish out here. Just start. It's perfect time and the sun's about to go down. This is exactly when you're supposed to fish. And I'm casting uh, my line out and I look over to my right and there are buildings, these huge buildings with smoke and stuff coming out of them. And in my mind, I'm like, but we're in the woods. Like there's no houses here. And I asked the, the host, I said, what are those buildings? And he says, oh, that's a nuclear plant. It's a government nuclear plant. We can't drift over that way. We can't get over there. But after a while from fishing, I looked up and those buildings got bigger. And then I looked up and we drifted closer. And I looked up and we were close enough that I could read the signs, the red signs in the water that says, do not go past this point. And just when everybody on the boat was getting nervous, the host pulls out the anchor and he drops the anchor. And the anchor hits the bottom of the of the of the ocean and we no longer drift. And here's the reality. Many of you are drifting towards danger, just like I was drifting towards the nuclear plant. And what you need to do is pull out an anchor. You need to drop that anchor on in the water, because I love the way Hebrews chapter uh, six will say it. It says we have a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Jesus Christ is your anchor. But many of us in this room are drifting. And we're drifting. And Paul is saying, listen, I didn't drift from 15 verses before. I said absolutely not to sin last week. And this week I'm saying the same thing. And here's the reality. God misses you. Those of you who have drifted, you, you came in here and you know you haven't prayed all week. You know you haven't given, your, given time to the Lord. You've devoted time to friends. God misses you. He ain't angry. He ain't. It's like the lost sheep. Remember when the sheep went out in, in Luke chapter 15 and the, the shepherd goes and he grabs the sheep. He doesn't punch the sheep. 
He doesn't break the sheep's leg. He doesn't smack it on his head and say, why did you wander off? He threw it on his shoulders and he brought it back to the fold. And many of that, that's what God wants to do with you because you've drifted in 15 short verses. Last week, you said absolutely not. This week, you were saying something different. So here's a question. Why is it important for us to stay away from sin? Here's why. Because little sins have the ability to become a pattern of sin. See, last week when we talked about should we continue in sin, many of y'all walked out here and like, that ain't me because I ain't in a lifestyle of sin. But every now and then sins are dangerous. Okay, let me say it another way. Every now and then sins is still slavery to sin. You think just because you do it every three months that it ain't sin, but after a while it does lead us down the wrong path. In fact, look how he says it in verse 19. Y'all still with me? I am using a human analogy because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you offered parts of yourselves as slaves to impurity, watch the progression, and to greater and greater lawlessness. In other words, the sin started out as a moment. The sin started out. You, you ever been there where you went into it and said, I'm going to just do it this one time. Don't get deep on me. Like, have you ever been there? I'm, I'm not going to go that far. We just going to kiss. I'm, I'm going to go to his house, but I'm going to sit on one side of the couch and he's going to sit on the other. I'm going to just sleep over this one time. And for some reason, those one moments become a pattern. What happened was you didn't think you was a slave. So you, you, you freed yourself up and we underestimate sin. Many of us. Un- Listen, sin is strong. Sin is cunning. Sin is it's it, crafty. Sin will get you just when you think you got a handle on it. It got a handle on you. And this is what happens. And so what Paul is saying in our text is he's saying, don't just think of slavery to sin as a habitual sinner, but think of slavery to sin as those every now and then moments. Those, those, and that's what happens. We tell one lie and that makes it easier to tell another. And then that makes it easier to tell another. And then you have to tell another because you have to cover up the last lie. What happens was it started as one lie, but you became enslaved to it. You, you, you went down a path where slavery you switched masters in the middle of it and and that's what we do we play with sin man there's a verse in in proverbs 6 i think it's verse 27 someone uh ashton grab uh uh proverbs 6 make sure it's verse 27 and and i think it's verse 27 if you're writing notes where the, the bible says it says how can a man carry fire next to his chest and not get burned Like, can you imagine that? That that's how we treat sin. It's like carrying fire next to your chest. And here's the reality. Some of you think you're getting away with it because you haven't got burnt yet, but you smell like smoke. And and after a while, after a while, your clothes start to smell and then it catches on fire. And that's exactly what the writer is saying. How can you carry fire next to your chest? Was I right? Is it verse 27? How can you carry fire next to your chest and not get burnt? One of the most therapeutic things I, I do, I, I do it almost every Sunday. I do it in the winter. I did it on Christmas time is I love grilling. I just I, it's something about grilling. I don't have a big backyard, but I got enough space that I can have a grill. And back in the day when we used to grill, you know, you, you would put all the charcoal inside the grill and then you would throw lighter fluid all over it. You, that's like just putting lighter fluid right in your food. It's just just not supposed to do it. But back in the day, we throw lighter fluid all over it. And now, a couple of years ago, I switched up. I got this thing called the chimney. 
Y'all ever heard of a chimney? A chimney is, is this cylinder, uh, uh, a little uh, uh, device, and you put the charcoal inside of it. And after you put the charcoal inside of it, you put newspaper under it. And you light the newspaper, no lighter fluid. You light the newspaper, and the heat burns up, and it evenly burns all the coal. Here's my problem. My problem is you cannot light it inside of the grill. You have to light it on a cement surface. And so I, my cement surface is about eight feet from my grill, so I light it on the cement surface, and I have to carry fire to the grill. Here's what I've never done. I've never carried that fire next to my chest. Only a fool would carry fire next to his chest. I take a glove, I put that thing away from my body, and I deal with it in a very careful way. But how I deal with my, with my fire is very important because I don't want to get burnt, but that's not how you deal with your sin. How you deal with your sin is you put that fire right next to your chest. And I love the writer of Proverbs because he says at some point you'll get burnt and you might get away with it for now. You, you might have no consequence of the sin. It might be enjoyable. But at some, at some point, when slavery really starts to kick in, it's going to impact you. In fact, I, I love the way, he, I love the way uh, uh, Paul here describes sin, the consequence of sin. Look at verse 21. Y'all with me still? Yeah. Verse 21. I got to ask that every now and then because y'all just be looking at me. <laughs> I just don't know what you're thinking. Y'all making me nervous. Verse 21. It says, so what fruit was produced then from the things that you are now ashamed of? And the outcome of those things is what? Yeah. Are y'all reading this? The outcome of that little sin is death. And death here, see, death is a funny thing because we only think of a physical death. Listen, that comes for all of us, whether you've trusted in Jesus or not. But there's so many other things that sin kills in your life. You know, first thing that it kills is your relationship with God. That's the first thing. Many of you have, are sitting there going, God, why aren't you answering my prayer? Because there might be some sin sprinkled in your life because God will not allow you to operate with another master and enjoy his presence. So God says, listen, I, I, you break fellowship. You, you, you interrupt a moment where we could be intimate. The first thing that death, that sin kills is your relationship with the Lord. Second thing that it, that it hinders and kills is our relationships with each other. Many of us, many of y'all have family members you haven't spoke to in years. And the reason you haven't spoke to them because you've sinned against them or they've sinned against you. I've done many marriage counselings. And in these marriage counselings, it's amazing to me how destructive sin is, how it breaks down the relationship of marriage, how many of y'all are sitting in here right now going, I don't know if we're going to make it because of sin. It's destructive. And it also breaks friendships. Many of y'all know y'all got friends that have done you dirty or you've done them dirty. And if you've done them dirty, you should go home today and be like, I repent. I'm sorry. I did you wrong because sin, we play with it, but it destroys so many things. And it, it does. It does. So the original sin made it made uh, death available, physical death for all of us. But some of us have sped up the process. What, what do I mean by that? Drugs and alcohol. It speeds up. I'm overuse of alcohol speeds up the process. Anxiety and worrying speeds up the process. Sexually transmitted diseases speeds up the process. And many of us in this room, we've sped up the process, even though all of us have an expiration date. You and that reckless life is causing you to speed it up. And so he says here that the 
the consequence of sin is an illness. The consequence of sin is not sickness. The consequence of sin is not, I don't feel well. The consequence of sin is death, always. It's going to lead you down a path where you die. Now, here, here's the question, Pastor. I, I, I hear you. You say you're not just talking today about habitual sins, but you're also talking about the isolated sins and how those can lead me down a path of being enslaved. And I hear you. If I hear you correctly, you're also saying that the consequence of sin is death. Please tell me how to get free from this. How do I walk in a place of freedom? Paul says it here in verse 22. But now, since you have been set free from sin and have become, here it is, enslaved to God. The way you break free from the old master of sin is becoming enslaved to God. That doesn't just mean putting your faith in, in Christ. That doesn't just mean walking with the Lord. But that means becoming a slave to him. Because that is the slavery that leads us to freedom. And many of us, you have to become an enslaved slave to God greater than you are a slave to your sin. Because some of us was great sinners. Y'all got deep? So, some of us, some of us had a PhD in sinology. So, some of us just knew how to do it. We had to work hard on sin and we just was good sinners. But you have to move from being a good sinner to an even better follower of Jesus Christ. He says the way you break free is to become enslaved to God because that is the slave. And that's what we do. We play with God. We, we, we play with our sin outside. I told you all about this double life that we do where, where we walk out of here and we're enslaved with something else. And then we come in here and we act like we're enslaved to God. And at the end of the day, it always, always, always catches up with us. But Paul says here, listen, the way you work this thing out is to become enslaved, enslaved to God and God. Alone. Watch what happens here in verse 23. Such a familiar, such a familiar verse here. It says the wages of sin is death. There it is again. But the gift of God is eternal life. When he says wages here, he's talking about a Roman soldier's pay. What a Roman soldier would get is wages. What you get on payday is wages. Here's what I know about your wages. Nobody can take your wages from you. No, nobody can hinder you from getting paid. If you worked for it and you earned it, then you should get paid. You should never look at your bank account and be like, oh, they didn't pay me this week. That, that's not how y'all know we don't do that anyway. We, we should never because you've earned it. But I thought that this verse would have said the wages of sin is death. And then I thought the verse would go on to say, but the wages of obedience to God is eternal life. But it doesn't say that. It says what you earned is death. But what you get is a gift. Can, do you understand the difference? If Paul said the wages of sin is death, but the wages of, 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 of obedience to God is righteousness or, or eternal life. If he would have said that, that would have led you down a path of legalism. Because all I got to do is since I've earned death, I just got to earn life. But you can't earn life. It has to be a gift given to you. And it's nothing worse than an unopened gift. Like, I, I'm grateful for the gifts that I get on my birthday. I'm grateful for the gifts that I get uh, on Christmas. But even greater than receiving gifts, I like giving gifts because I like the expression on the person's face when they open it. And it's, it's nothing that says you are ungrateful, like not opening that gift. And many of you have a gift that is sitting on your lap 
called eternal life, called salvation, and you never opened it. And God is in heaven looking at you. He's like, listen, the, the wages you've earned is death, but I got a gift sitting on your lap. And some of you have opened the gift, but you haven't you switched slave masters. You haven't lived under grace. You haven't lived under obedience. You haven't lived under sanctification. As a consequence, you became a slave again. Back to the sin. And here's been my prayer for you all week. All week long, I've been praying that God would rekindle the fire that was once in you. I've been praying that because I know my life. I know my life when I first met Jesus and I constantly have to say, God, bring me back there. Bring me. Revelations talk about that with the with the seven churches. It says you forgot your first works. You forgot the fire and the burn that was in you. And I pray that you wouldn't hear this sermon. It goes in one ear and out the other. But I pray you walk out and say, God, bring me back to how I first was when I got in relationship with you. And some of you, that beginning of that relationship can start today. Ain't nothing spooky. Ain't nothing deep. It's called grace. And you know, you know, it's grace when you say that's it. That's all I got to do is just profess faith and Jesus live under his lordship. That's it. That's all you have to do. And some of you in this room, unfortunately, you've lived a way that is inconsistent with the gospel. Paul is a perfect person. I'm ending here. Paul is a perfect person to talk about being enslaved to God versus being enslaved to your sin. You know why? Because he's one of the few people in the scriptures that we actually get to see his life before he gave his life to Christ and after. And here's what I know about his life before. He was zealous. He was a persecutor of the church. He, he approved uh, of the first, uh, the first deacon's death, Stephen. He approved the death of, and the stoning of Stephen. Not just approved it, but he held the cloak of the one who stoned him. This is how zealous and passionate he was. Read the rest of Philippians chapter three, where he, get, he gives a resume. He starts beating his chest. He says, as the, as the zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. But when God switched up on him, he then wrote 75% of the New Testament. The persecutor of the church then built the church. And that could be you. You have a BC story, but there is a story after the BC story. And God wants you. God loves you. He desires you like he actually wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to be your master. Father, I pray for everybody in this room. Everybody's on the altar today. We're all submitting to you today because. Lord, we, we've tired. We're tired of sin. We're tired of living this double life. We're tired. It's exhausting going in and out and. Lord, just help us, Lord. Give us a spirit of endurance. Help us not to switch up on you, oh God. Many of us, oh God, I'm not the only story in here that started out passionate and zealous and then somewhere along the line begin to burn out. Expose to us this week what makes us cold towards you. Expose to us this week what has hindered our sanctification in you. Exposed to us this week, and not just this week, look, some of us need to do business today. Some of us don't need to leave this building until we've confessed to somebody else, this is what I've been in. This is why I've been so isolated. This is why I've been so disconnected. I've been disconnected because I've been in a web of lies. Help us to out ourselves because the reality is I, I would rather my brother and sister look at me side eye than you 
Many of us, oh God, my fear is that we'll stand before you. And you say, I never was your master, though. Choose ye today whom you will serve because all of us are serving somebody. It's in Christ's name we pray and give glory. Amen.